The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you would, take your Bibles out, and we're kind of going to be around in a couple of different places today, but go to Mark chapter 8 if you would like to, and uh, that's where we're going to we're going to start today. There was a Southern Baptist minister. He decided that he'd have a visual demonstration that would emphasize his sermon that morning. So uh, he placed four worms in four separate jars. The first worm he put in a jar of alcohol. The second worm he put in a jar of cigarette smoke. The third worm he put in a jar of chocolate syrup. And the fourth worm he put in the jar of just good clean soil. At the conclusion of his sermon, the minister reported the following results. He had the first worm. He said, the worm in alcohol is dead. The second, he said, the worm in the cigarette smoke is dead. The third, the worm in the chocolate syrup is dead. The fourth, the worm in the good, clean soil is alive. So he looked at the congregation and said, what can you learn from this demonstration? And a little old lady in the back, she raised her hand quickly and said, well, as long as you drink, smoke, and eat chocolate, you'll not have worms. So uh, that's, that may be true. Uh, so to thine own self be true. Uh, and that kind of goes along with that. This is our final message, part one of the final message. I'm going to finish this up next week. I didn't want to try to finish it all today of our kind of our series we've been going through of no that's not in the bible uh since i started this series there's been a lot of other sayings that are often mistakenly quoted as the bible says this or the bible says that and we could go on for for weeks and months in this uh, area but here's some of the other things that aren't in the bible charity begins at home that's not in the bible this too shall pass that's not in the bible Good things to come to those who wait, no. All men are created equal, no. That's the Declaration of Independence. Uh, here's one that might surprise you, ashes, ashes, dust to dust. No, that's not, in the, that's not in the Bible. And I'm talking about these specific sayings. Whosoever will may come, that's not in the Bible. That's a hymn written by Philip Bliss. Not uh, too awful long ago, I heard this statement. Uh, and somebody said, is that in the Bible? And I've never heard the statement before. How sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. That sounds like a proverb, doesn't it? How thankless, or how sharper than a serpent's tooth is it to have a thankless child. Well, that's not in the Bible, and come to find out it's from Shakespeare, you know. So uh, there are hundreds of sayings that people think in the Bible. Uh, there's also some funny ones that you come across, uh, time wounds all heals, or he who lasts last thinks the slowest. The uh, shortest resistance between two points is usually under construction. Uh, I kind of like this. Love is grand. Divorce is 50 grand. <laughs> uh, and a day without sunshine is, well, night. So if the series has taught us anything, I think uh, it tells us that we've got to study God's Word to really know what God's Word says. I, uh, we had uh, studied a few weeks ago in the Bible where people say, uh, uh, the, the, the Lord says He'll not put more on us than we can handle. And uh, the Bible doesn't say that. And uh, I was reading a, uh, an excerpt from something, uh, and I think it was either local or in the, this general area, 
And the person said, well, I, you know, I appreciate the folks that's encouraged me, letting me know that the Bible says God's not going to put more on me than I can handle. And uh, I thought, well, that's, that's not in the Bible. And it's, it's kind of a good message, but it's not in the Bible. So uh, we need to kind of talk about the verse and the channel and where things come from. This saying today, to thine own self be true, uh, it, it uh, came from a William Shakespeare Hamlet. That's where the, the saying came from. And uh, Polonius is giving some fatherly advice to his 18-year-old son who is uh, Laertes. And, and before he departs for Paris, he, he talks to Laertes and he says, Neither, let, neither a lender or borrower be... Uh, that's another phrase that people sometimes think in the Bible. Neither a lender or borrower be... Uh, but in the next line, he, he kind of comes to the pinnacle of his advice to his son. And he says, This above all, to thine own self be true. And it must follow as the night and the day, and thou cannot be false to any man. So uh, that's where that saying came from, to thine own self be true. It's, it's, uh, it's not in the Bible. And we're, gonna, we, we're covering this last because I think, and my, my ideal is, this has kind of became the motto for America. I want you to think about that. It's kind of became uh, the ideal that, that people use, and I think the reason is it, it, it kind of combines two different concepts. It, it combines self and truth. Those two things. Americans are, are involved in a, uh, in a love affair with their self. I mean, that's where a lot of Americans are. And, and the matrix has, has kind of become in America, take care of number one. Uh, that's who we need to know yourself, love yourself, be true to yourself. And our self has basically become the standard for truth. What, whatever our self says, that, that becomes our truth. And Americans really bow down to the altar of, of the sovereign reign of our self. In other words, we, we just, what we say is, is it. It goes, whatever good or bad, if we say that's it. And, and how far have we moved from this standard? I mean, we've moved a long way from God's standard. Uh, this is what God's Word says, and this is Mark chapter 8, where, you, where you've turned if you have your Scripture. He says this, If anyone would come after me, what does it say? He would deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So today we hear love yourself, protect yourself, promote yourself. It's all about self. And Jesus said, deny ourselves. Now, he's not talking about denying ourselves of any kind of food or uh, any kind of thing like that, even some pleasures. He's not saying deny ourselves. What he's saying is, he's saying we shouldn't be constantly climbing onto our throne of our life and saying, hey, uh, this is all about me. Today is all about me when that's not what God's words talks about. Now, let me tell you something. This is unpopular today in our society. Today, people would say, well, you know, that guy is out of his mind. It is about self, and it is about me, and it is about what I want and what I need. But if we're truly going to follow God's Word, then we need to look at what God's Word says, and we need to think about that statement, to thine own self be true. We need to think about what God's Word says that contradicts that. So there's a couple of things I want us to talk about this morning. As I said, I'm just going to probably get to about half of them this morning, but uh, there are trends that threaten our culture happening right now. 
I think everybody here would agree with that. There's trends that are threatening our culture right now. In, in Washington Irving's classic, he, he told a tale of Rip Van Winkle. I'm sure most of y'all have heard of Rip Van Winkle. And he's a henpecked husband. He wanders off in the Caskill Mountains. And there he finds some strange little people there. And they give him this strange little drink. And uh, this drink that they brewed up for him, it, it settles him down and he takes a nap. And uh, so when he wakes up, he thinks someone's played a trick on him because his beard is long and it's wide and rusted and uh, his trusted dog that always beside his side, he's, he's gone. He couldn't be found and he doesn't realize he'd been asleep for 20 years and, and two days. So when he went to sleep, it was 1766. Uh, America was a British colony. When he woke up, this was a new nation, a young nation. He wandered back into town and he was surprised to find that King George's face had been replaced by someone named General Washington. And, and uh, it's really a story about how some people sleep through major changes. That, that's that's the, the story of Rip Van Winkle, that there's major changes take place, and sometimes people just sleep through them. And I want you to think today, for, for many of us, we have slept through changes over the last two decades in our nation. We, we might, have, might, might have been physically asleep, but, but we, part of the reason we may have slept through that is because kind of here in East Texas, and, and in maybe Texas in general, but especially kind of in East Texas, there's this little oasis of biblical morality and, and there's solid family values. We have troubles, but for the most part, uh, we, we've stayed morally and, and, uh, and, and our values have stayed pretty good, but, but that's not true nationwide. While we have been sleeping, our nations have changed. And we've moved to something called a postmodern world. Now, I hope this morning that you won't get bored or that you won't get wrapped up in the, a few of these terms and say, man, I didn't even understand what was going on because I kind of want to lay a foundation out for next week. So in order to do that, I think we need to think about where we are as America today and, and really the, the core value of a postmodern thought. And that's kind of where we are. It can be summarized with this statement. Listen, tolerance is more important than truth. That's, that's a postmodern thought. Tolerance is more important than truth. In many words like tolerance, it has a, a definition, but it has a different meaning than the definition. Now let me give you an example of that. So a, a word that has a certain definition but has a different meaning. The word gay... Okay, it originally meant happy and carefree. That is the definition of gay. But today, if you say, oh, I'm feeling so gay, what would everybody here think? Oh, great, you know, we got a preacher up there that, you know. So, see, it has a different definition than it does a meaning. And the same is true for tolerance. Today, it has a different meaning than the definition. The, the original word has undergone the same type of change. Tolerance used to mean this, respecting the beliefs and practices of others without agreeing with them. In other words, we can, we can, we can tolerate this. We respect the beliefs and the practices of others, 
but I don't have to agree with them. Now, I thought about a, an example of this, and I can't remember the names of these dogs, but if you ever watch Fox and the Hound, you have uh, Todd, who is the little, the little dog, the fox. Don't be getting on to me about my illustrations. And what's the old dog's name? Copper. Copper. There you go. You helped me out last week, too, on one of them. Oh, okay. Boy, you sound like your uncle, but anyway. Uh, so y'all remember, there's Copper. He's laying there in his house, and he's just lazy. And, and here's the little fox. He's pulling on his ears and saying, let's go play, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. And, and old Copper tolerates him, don't he? I mean, he don't, he don't agree with him. He don't really respect, I mean, he respects his beliefs. He, he, he don't really want to practice what he's doing, but, but hey, I, I'm okay with that. We're going uh, to disagree, but, uh, but we're, we're going to tolerate it. Well, think about that, the, the new word that, that is used today when it says tolerance. It says this, I don't only have to accept your beliefs and your practices. I have to put them into practice in my own life. I mean, I, I, I don't just tolerate them. I, those that I disagree with, the, the postmodern world says, hey, the, no objective truth matters anymore. Nothing's, uh, the, the, where, where objective truth is, it no longer exists. Everything's subjective truth. So in other words, if, if someone's truth different from yours, it's subjective truth, and, and so I must agree with your truth, and I must accept your truth, and if I don't, if I say, well, I don't agree with that, and I'm not going to accept that, what are we labeled? Intolerant. You're intolerant of this, and, and so, so if you're intolerant today, that's because the word tolerance has changed. You not only have to accept my truth and, and you not longer have to agree with it, you have to even put it into your own value. And uh, George Barna, I like him. He's done ex uh, some extensive research into the moral and spiritual beliefs of America. Here's what he found out. 72% excuse me, of American believes, listen, that there is no such thing as an absolute truth. Did you hear that? 72% that there's no such thing as an absolute truth, that two people can find truth in, in totally different ways. I mean, it, it's just, uh, it, you can say this is true, we could say that light is on, and that's the truth, and you could say no, that light is off, and that's the truth, and we can, we can look at that truth in, in two different ways. And, and because of that, there's, it's, objective, it's, it's subjective, so we both can be right. That, that's 72% that's of Americans. 71% of Americans believe that there's no absolute standards to everybody in all situations. In other words, there's, there's no standards that we live by. That's 71% that's of Americans say there's, there's no standard that everyone have to, should have to follow. Number three, 64% of Americans believe Christians, Jews, Buddhists, Muslims, and other religions and cults all pray to the same God. It's, it's all the same God. We just use different names for Him. That's 64% that's of Americans also, 64 Americans believe that all religions are equal and good. Doesn't matter what you believe. If you say 
we are part of this religion, then it's equal and it's good. Now, I'm not talking about Baptists this morning, folks. I'm talking about Christians, okay? As Christians, doesn't matter if you're a Christian. If you're a Hindu, if you're a Muslim, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a New Ager, it doesn't matter. If it's religion, it's all good. Here's some things that kind of shocked me when it came to Christians. The best way to find yourself is to simply look inside yourself. That's 76% of Christians said, I agree with that, 91% of Americans. People shouldn't criticize someone else's choices. 80% of, 89% of Americans, 76% of Christians. Uh, to have a fulfilled life, you, put, you should pursue the things that bring you the most desire. Did you hear that? To have a fulfilled life, you, you should pursue the things that give you the most desire. 86% of Americans, 72% of Christians agree with that. The highest goal of life is to enjoy as much as possible. That's our highest goal. 64% of Americans, 60, I'm sorry, 84 Americans, 67% of Christians. People can believe whatever they want as long as it doesn't affect someone else. 61% of Christians said, I agree with that. 79% of Americans. And here's the last one. Any kind of sexual expression between two adults is acceptable. Anything. Now, Americans say, 69% says, I agree with that. Here's the thing gets me. 40% of Christians say, yeah, I agree with that. Anything goes. If it's two adults, anything goes. After all, to thine own self be true. There's no absolutes. If it works for you, then it's got to be okay. In, in 1987, Alan Bloom wrote The Closing of America's Mind. He was a college professor. He wasn't writing from a Christian perspective. His thesis is that Americans have replaced objective truth with a European ideal of emptiness and despair. He says this, We have embraced moral relativism and disguised it as tolerance. He writes, Almost every student entering a university believes or says he believes that truth is relative. They've been taught the danger of any absolutes, and it's not error, but it's intolerance if you have absolute beliefs. Relativism is necessary to the openness, and openness has become a great insight of our time. So when we say to ourselves be true, it's saying there's no absolutes anymore. It's all about me. To thine own self be true. And it's become the life verse for millions of young people and those who are uninformed of what the Bible says. So what I want us to look at this morning, and this is what we're going to do half of our sermon, is to look at uh, three different areas uh, that, that we have trended. Okay, now I, I told you, I hope you don't get all wrapped up in all. Oh, he's talking about a bunch of statistics. He's talking about America and all this because it, it is relevant to our relationship with Christ. Here's the first thing we see, civil individualism. Okay, civil individualism. Uh, for years, think about this, Americans were willing to sacrifice their rights for the rights of others. You agree with that? I mean, think about, for, for years, the, for the good of many, folks would sacrifice their rights for the good of many. So, so today, the, the, the core value 
uh, of accountability has been replaced with this personal liberty. So the, the essence is individualism. It's, it's individualism. What works, what's true for me, what works for me is the what we're going to do. That's the way I'm going to move forward. Now listen, folks do this in marriage. They do it in their job. They do it in their church. In other words, it doesn't matter what my spouse thinks. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter anything else. If it's right for me, it's individualism. It's not us, it's me, and it's all about me. So if it's right for me, the question hasn't, isn't any longer, is this right or wrong? The question has become, is this right for me or wrong for me? A few years ago, you'll, you'll recognize some of these examples right here. A senior at West End High School was in Salt Lake City, Utah. They were rehearsing their graduation exercise. The high school choir was going to sing two traditional songs, but one student, this is in a huge high school, Salt Lake City, one student in the choir objective, objected because the, word, the song contains God and Lord. So instead of opting out, tolerance, hey, I, 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 I'm going to opt out of this, okay? Instead of opting out, her and her parents sued the school. Of course, you know what happened. The Federal Court of Appeals ruled that the song could not be sung. Now, Chuck Colson kind of, kind of put his... Uh, his spin on this, the tyranny of the individual, uh, he says this, if the student had been requesting the right not to participate, that's something we could all agree upon. But she couldn't be excused or opt out as a Christian, often doing sex education class, or she could have been, but she demanded something more, that the majority be prevented from singing song that she didn't agree with. See, that's, isn't that where we are in America today? Hey, if I don't agree with it, then nobody should do it because it's individualism. It's, it's, it's about me and what I think. So, so we have civil individualism that's taking place today. We have moral relativism. Now, these are words that we don't use, but moral relativism, that's another kind of a postmodern term that, that means there are, there are no longer any moral absolutes. So the question, uh, the main question is longer, is it right or wrong? It's simply this, is right or wrong for me? So uh, let me give you an example of something that's kind of a hot topic right now because Texas just passed a bill. If you think having abortion is wrong, then it's wrong for you. But if you think it's right, then it's right for me. After all, to thine own self be true. See, that's what, that's what that, that no moral absolutes means. It, it's not a moral issue. It's, it's more individualism, and it, it's more about, hey, what do I think is right, and what do I think is wrong? And a youth pastor was speaking to the, a teenage group about premarital sex, and, and one of the girls, I told you all this story. I've always got to tell this, and I've got time. I was teaching in uh, McKinney in this little church, little country church, smaller than this one, asked me to come do their youth. I'd been doing youth. I had a big old youth group, and... Uh, uh, I was teaching on the prodigal son and the woman at the well. And uh, I said, the prodigal son got his inheritance. He went out into the world. I said, he had uh, all the fine cars and four-wheelers and side-by-sides and sex. And when I said sex, this lady on the front row jumped. She went and looked up there at me, and I lost her. Her and about five more. I got through. As soon as we got through, she came and said, we do not talk about that with our students. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I thought, well, your students talk about it plenty. You may not be talking to them about it, but it just scared her to death uh, that I said something in front of their youth that they had never heard. And I just said sex. That's all I said, you know. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But this youth pastor, he's teaching on that. And a girl in his group, this is a true story, says, hey, I think it's okay... And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. This is premarital. She said, didn't Jesus say what matters most is what you feel in your heart? The pastor, youth pastor went on to say, well, Jesus agreed with what Jeremiah said. And Jeremiah 17, 9 says, your heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, and who can know it? See, that's the problem with thine own self be true. Hey, my heart says do it. It's got to be good. It's got to be right for me. Moral, moral relativism, it, it's something that just simply says if it feels right for me, then it's got to be right. There's a problem with that. I think the reason some folks don't want to come to Christ is we don't want to... God doesn't have a list of do's and don'ts. We talked about that a few months ago. God, God says that we, we're to come to Him and then if there's errors in our life that need changing, God will deal with that through the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and everything's going to work out. That's not God's plan. But people look at this and say, hey, if it works for me, I'm going to do it. Why would I go to church? Why would I accept Christ and get all this list of do's and don'ts? We're talking about a postmodern age that says there are no absolutes. There are just no rights and wrong anymore. If uh, here's what kills me. We have we have professors in school. We we have a couple of guys that'll be going to school before too long. I'll give you some advice. If a professor or teacher, and this even happens in Christian schools, my daughter went to a Christian school. Maybe not this exact thing, but if a teacher tells you there are no moral absolutes, here's what you can do. You might even try this in high school. Uh, but whatever feels right to you is right. Get up. Walk up there and stomp them on their big toe or kick them right in the shin just as hard as you can. When they're getting ready to go berserk, hold your hand up and say, wait a minute, that felt like the right thing to do for me. It felt good to me, and I thought that was the thing to do at this time, so I went ahead and do it. Now, don't really do that because that will probably get you in some pretty bad trouble, but... But here's what, if somebody says, hey, there are no absolutes anymore, if there's no absolutes truth, ask them this question. Are you absolutely certain about that? And most of the time they're going to say, yeah, I'm absolutely certain. You can say, well, I thought you said there were no absolutes. See, that's the problem with that argument is, is when we say there are no absolutes, the group that says there are no absolutes says there are absolutely no absolutes. And, and that's the problem with that. What they're saying is, if you have a moral guidance, there are no absolutes for me and you. But my absolutes are absolutely right. And here's the last thing, spiritual pluralism. Now, what that talks about, that, that spiritual pluralism, we, we did a study, our men's group did a study here a, a few years ago by Vadi Bauckham, and he, uh, he, he, he covered all of these topics in there. And it is really interesting about pluralism and and that that is the belief that all spiritual beliefs are equal and true 
All spiritual beliefs. If anyone claims that their belief is superior to anyone else's belief, then, then their teaching is an error, their label is intolerant, and that's the post-modern age. In other words, today, uh, for people, religion is like kind of a cafeteria line. You can go through the cafeteria line and, and you can choose the areas you want. If you want to, to choose the Christian way, the Jewish way, the Muslim way, the New Age way, and, and you can combine those ways, two or three different ideals. You can pick and choose and take some of the major themes or the major religions. You can, you can bind them all together and everything will be okay. That's what spiritual pluralism is. It's saying there's no absolute truth. There's no one way. There's, there's many ways. After 9-1-1 that, that just passed the attack on America, there was a service held in Yankee Stadium. It was called a prayer for America. Here's what. This was a postmodern prayer. Okay? The, the media covered it. Even preachers said, oh, that was such a great time for our nation to come together and pray. Here's the roster. There was local Muslims, Hindu, Sikh temples, black and white Protestant pastors, Armenian, Greek, orth, uh, Orthodox archbishops, male and female Jewish rabbis. All of those came together. And you know the master of ceremonies was? Oprah Winfrey, Okra, I call her Okra so much I forget her, Oprah Winfrey. She slipped in her New Age doctrine by saying this, when you lose a loved one, you gain an angel that you know their name. On September 11th, 6,000 angels were added to the roster. Doesn't that sound nice? Doesn't that sound great? Hey, that's the postmodern mind. Hey, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter who you followed. When you die, you become an angel. That's not even true. The Bible, we're, folks, you're never going to be an angel, okay? You're a saint if you're born again. You, you'll be in heaven. You'll be on the new earth that God creates for us. But you're not going to be an angel. But hey, you're going to be an angel. And that's, that's the post modern mindset. It's true for her, so it must be true. Shirley MacLaine, she, she holds that typical postmodern perspective. Uh, she put a book out called Out on a Limb, and she asked her spiritual advisor, his name was David, if he believes in reincarnation, here's his, here's his reply. This is new age. This is, this is the, the ideal that we have today. It's true if you believe it. Anything goes for anything. That was his answer. Hey, do you, believe in, do you believe in reincarnation? It's true if you believe it. And anything goes for anything. In other words, there, there absolutely is, is no spiritual absolute. It's pluralism. It's, it's whatever works. If, uh, if we dare to say that, that, hey, this is the truth of Jesus Christ, then again, we're, we're laborers intolerant and intolerant and, and that, hey, you won't accept this. The best definition of tolerance I found was spoken back during the uh, kind of the age of reason. It was John F. Kennedy. He said this, tolerance implies no lack of commitment to one's own beliefs. Rather, it condemns the oppression or persecution of others. Now, that's a pretty good definition. And I'm closing right now with this. Tolerance implies no lack of commitment to one's own belief. Rather, it condemns the opposition or persecution of others. I don't think people that disagree with me uh, should be oppressed or persecuted. 
I don't think that. I don't, if you don't agree with what I say, now, when I'm preaching God's Word, that's between you and God. But if we're just out in the hall talking, and I say, I, this is what I think about that, and you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I think this. Well, you shouldn't be persecuted or oppressed by it. But I, I do think it would be great to have a chance to have dialogue with people and, and lovingly show them what I believe about the truth. The Bible says this, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer for somebody who says, hey, what, what kind of hope do you have? But it says this, do it with gentleness and respect. So thinking about where we are as a nation, they're, they're, today we want to we understand there are no absolutes in, in what America says. There's no right or wrong. There's no uh, values that would that would morally guide us or morally direct us. Their uh, spiritual pluralism, anything goes. Here's what Christ said about this, and we're going to look at this next week. Jesus himself said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's Jesus' word. That's not my opinion. That's not a Baptist thing. That's not a Methodist thing. That's God's word. Jesus said, if you want to go to heaven, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. He doesn't say through me and your works and you're getting your life right and you're doing this and doing that. He doesn't say through your works and coming to church and teaching the Sunday school class. He said this, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and I am the only way to heaven. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And you know what God is saying there through His Son, Jesus Christ, is there are some absolute truths. And the absolute truth is this. There's one way to have eternal life, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's God's Word. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. When we as Christians would tell someone that, we would quickly be labeled intolerant. I heard a, I heard a so-called Christian evangelist, I won't give you his name, but he's still going strong right now from Texas, who was asked a question on, on, on a TV, on a major network channel of TV. Do you think that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? Here was his answer. Who am I to answer that? I think there's many paths to God. If he is truly a Christian, he is sorely mixed up in his beliefs. Because Jesus' words said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and I am the only way to God. Father, I pray this morning again that as we think about where we are as a nation, Lord, and, and realize that we as Christians, we've slept through a lot of this, that, Father, it is time that we speak the truth in love, with gentleness and respect. But Father, we know the truth. We know the truth sets us free. We know the truth of your word opens up an opportunity for forgiveness, uh, not only forgiveness, but life eternal, Father. Lord, I pray that we'd know it's not by our actions, it's not of what we're doing now, what we've done in the past, or what we'll do tomorrow, but Father, you died for all of our sins. And Father, you offer forgiveness for all of our sins through the blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray today that we would just consider the truth of your words. 
again, the foolishness of me standing up here babbling on, Lord, that you would take those words, you would ordain them, you would place them in our hearts, and, Father, we would carry them with us. Lord, I pray that you'd continue to woo us and call us unto yourself, and I pray this in the name of Jesus.